So today we're talking about, uh, well, actually we're catching up. We haven't spoken to each other in a little while and we're talking about health issues and we're talking about uh, holiday issues and how it all ties into sliding right into 2023. Actually, while we're at it, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I know it's been an, it's been an interesting one so far. We're only three days in at this point, mm-hmm. but um, I know like we've, we've kind of slowed down over here a little bit to try to just, we, we in. meaning you and, and Brian. Yeah. So Brian mm-hmm. and I and, the, and Das Cat have <laughs> uh, <laughs> slowly stepped into 2023. We, we, we definitely slowed things down a bit. Like it was funny. We woke up, we, we stayed up late. We actually made it to midnight. Made it to midnight. Wow. We made it to midnight, which is which is interesting because I, I can honestly say that I I think we did during the pandemic too, maybe. Mm-hmm. I seem to remember at least once making it uh, to midnight during the pandemic. But it was pouring rain here, yeah. like absolutely pouring. And we were pretty sure that like no fireworks were going to happen or anything like that. And then (laughs) the neighborhood brigade of diehard firework fiends fired up at midnight. (laughs) And I had this idea that I wanted to go outside and let Mother Nature cleanse me of 2022. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to go out and stand in the rain. And Brian's like, okay. So he came out and stood in the rain with me. We, we stood outside, arms stretched, you know, letting, let mother nature flow over us there and watched the competing neighborhoods as like one, one show and one corner would, you know, kind of give way to another corner. So it was pretty funny. We must've, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll stand here until the fireworks die out. We ended up standing out there for like five minutes. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I guess I needed it. Um, you know, and then went back inside and the cat looked very confused and was like, what's going on out there? Um, but it was funny because as we were kind of uh, winding down, Brian made the comment, oh, we can get up tomorrow and watch the the rose parade and i'm like okay and then it dawned on me after we had gotten up we actually did like get up early and um brian fiddled around on youtube and looked up rose parade 2023 and started playing something and it dawned on me like about five minutes in i'm like wait isn't it sunday and he's like yeah i'm like then how can this be happening because it they don't do it on sunday no parade doesn't march on sunday if it's on sunday they they do it on monday Mm -hmm. and he's like uh well it says and i'm like okay so we so we literally (laughs) watched like three quarters of the 2022 rose parade (laughs) before we realized that oh and he, he kind of got on his phone and he's like, because I think he saw something that looked familiar and he got on his phone and he's like, uh, you're right. That's totally not a thing that they do. I'm like, yeah. Totally not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
thing because you know valley hunt club and horses and well horses the truth of the matter is the, well the truth of the matter is is that it, it the 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 fit for public reason is that the horses were tied up for church and they were afraid that the parade would rile them and spook them and whatnot. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that the churches in the area since Pasadena was so full of houses of worship. This is, this is, this is true. They uh, all wrote strongly worded letters to the parade association. And How dare you uh, take away our, our parishioners. They pretty much said, if you run the parade on Sundays, we will tell all of our congregations not to. You're the devil. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you can't you can't have God's day. God will not support this. <laughs> As, uh, Pasadena has a, a a long running history of calling things the devil when they don't like it. Um, <laughs> uh -oh. Uh -oh. I we mean, love you, Pasadena. We love you, but you know we love we you love you for but, you and your but, authentic self. <laughs> if, if your authentic self really doesn't like people to talk about things that you don't like to talk about. It's so very true yeah you know so there's that um but yeah so anyway we ended up watching it yesterday we got up mm -hmm. at an appropriate time yesterday to watch it as well and and watch and i thought it was pretty fitting um that basically the the theme that we've been picking up on you know for a while Turning now the corner. Turning is, the corner. Is, yeah you know made it into the mainstream and i'm like huh, <laughs> look at that and um, the very mainstream, the very traditional mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was a good parade, like as far as the Rose Parade goes. It's, you know, I think if you grow up in Southern California, it's just part of your your annual tradition to watch. And uh, like, not for you? No. <laughs> Ten seasons it was, of I it don't was care. For me. <laughs> it, it was always something that that we'd normally do and and i did i i have as as a child um i i was well it was forced on me because i didn't have a choice mm -hmm. uh but i i did see it in, in person one year and mm. that was a frightening experience <laughs> <laughs> this from the girl who couldn't laugh through the circus not you know there's nothing like getting to pasadena the day before the parade happens at like you know 10 11 o'clock in the morning and hauling you know finding a place to park where your car's not going to be towed hauling all your gear in like a little red wagon or something which means sleeping bags and blankets and pillows and changes of clothes and it gets cold here uh you know when as as we step into the more winter season which it definitely is come january um you know it's cold so especially yeah. if it's one of those starry nights that we're so famous for if it's not mm -hmm. raining and there are no clouds to hold in the moisture or the warmth uh yeah it, it snaps especially around like yeah. three or four in the morning <laughs> it's, it's freaking freezing yeah, I, I remember like, you know, it, and it was so surreal. It was so weird. It's not like we had a tent or anything. We're just, you know, sleeping bags and blankets and pillows with the rest of our family and some family friends and, you know, a few thousand other people <laughs> from Southern California, friends. you know, yeah. with their friends and family huddled on street corners in Pasadena 
you know, and it, yeah, not, not a, not my most favorite memory of <laughs> the Rose Parade. Let's just put it that way. Like, it's one of those things that you do once for the you experience. Do <laughs> <laughs> and then you realize I have a much better view at home. Uh-huh. On my couch. Right. <laughs> under right. a blanket with a yeah. cup of hot cocoa. Thank you very yeah, absolutely. much. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, so, that we, you know, we did that yesterday. We, we watched and, and uh, yeah. That's that's kind of how the day went. I was working on a project and worked on it earlier in the morning before we watched the parade and managed to jam my shoulder and neck again and had to stop the project mm-hmm. for the time being. But it's okay because all the things are in my head and we kind of talked about that this morning. And mm-hmm. maybe my route is to just ask for help, which... <laughs> although I've gotten better at is still a difficult concept for me because I get caught between feeling like I'm not doing enough or I'm doing too much. Mm -hmm. Like I can see it very well in other people. I can see other people struggling and I can point to it right away. It's like, Oh, you you need balance. Mm -hmm. You're out of balance. Duh. But it's so hard to do that for yourself, especially yeah. I think it's especially hard to do that for yourself when you are a person that does it for other people. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, I know. think that the I think one of the things is that the reason it's so easy to see it in other people is because you can't see it in yourself. You're experiencing it. And True. so you can identify it in other people instantly because you have enough distance between them and you to be able to see it, but when it's mm-hmm. all up in your shit, how are you supposed to identify that? It becomes part of this sort of melange of wrongness, of out of balanceness, and you're just like, I know it's here, I can feel it, but I don't know. It's like having vertigo. You don't know which way's yeah. up, which way's yeah. balanced, which way's not. You know. And, you know, and um, I can and sense. feel. Yeah, I, I can. I always feel when something is. It's it's not like I don't know that things are out of balance. I understand when things are out of balance. It's just more difficult for me to pinpoint for myself how I'm supposed to remedy that. Mm-hmm. So in this case, you know, it's like I have several things happening at once that kind of were triggered in that like last six months of 2022, where I kind of had several different uh, medical issues pop up all at the same time. And then miraculously I gained health insurance for the first time in like seven years. And so I decided, well, that surely isn't a coincidence. (laughs) So let's go ahead and use that health insurance and started looking into things and it's been, it has not been easy, most definitely. It's, it's been um, definitely tied into other lessons of 2022 and lessons previous to 2022. It was definitely rolled into my shadow work of the last year. 
and digging out those like kind of deep, deep roots. Like imagine, you know, the tree on the corner that's been, you know, buckling up the sidewalk for years and you're finally taking the steps to take it out. But the root ball is such that, you know, it's, it's not an easy, let's just lift the concrete and pull it out sort of a deal. It's, you know, wound around other pipes and that's what it feels like. It feels like I've really been digging out like the deep, deep, deep roots. So, you know, that's been like the shoulder and the neck. Um, I found out about a month ago that I have macular degeneration in my left eye. So I have lost a significant amount of vision in my left eye. So my center field of vision is, is pretty much wiped out right now. And there's a possibility that it can improve. But basically what I've been told is that the way this works is once the, once the trauma happens to the eye, because of where it's at, it's behind the macula, basically. So that's very much at the back of your eye and affects how your retina intakes light. And so your, your vision um, is impaired quite a bit. So I have peripheral vision, but I don't really have my center field of vision, which means that my right eye is compensating for my left. And it's kind of a kind of a funky situation, but you know, the, the thing that I'm dealing with as I'm kind of coming back into the world of Western medicine, which I've pretty much been unplugged from for like the last seven years is that, you know, we're, we're still very much behind as far as treating people holistically. It's really not, um, it's really not something that doctors are taught in Western medicine or in Western medicine, unfortunately. Uh, you know, there, I, I still believe that there's, there are a lot of good points to Western medicine and there are a lot of good doctors in Western medicine, but they're just, they're not trained to treat people holistically. They're trained to treat symptoms. Yeah, and so yeah. that's basically how that works. So it's been, it's been an interesting struggle stepping back in to Western medicine and getting faced with the same things again and having to kind of slow myself down in the moment and go, okay, try not to get too caught up and, and triggered by things that happen in the past. And, you know, how, how can we work with the same information or similar information, but work with it differently? How can we respond to it differently? How can we take some of the reactionary things away? And that's tough. That's yeah. really tough because immediately I want to go back into, they don't understand, they don't care, you know? And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. that's not a hundred percent true. 
it's you know there yes there are things that they are taught and ways they are taught to handle things but i'm also trying to um i guess levy that with a little more compassion for the fact that they just don't know Mm. a lot of times what what to do on a holistic level because they're not taught that and because of the way they are overbooked and overworked like the office that I went to for my eye that particular ophthalmologist sees about 60 people a day that's a lot of people Mm -hmm. and I would imagine that if I were in his shoes and he was he's obviously a really good doctor he knows his stuff scientifically like it's very interesting to him you can tell that like you know he enjoys seeing the tests and the results from tests and you know looking at it visually and pointing it out and talking about it but doesn't know how to relate it really to the patient and you know that's something that I really would love I think I would love to help western doctors understand Mm -hmm. is that every time you speak to a patient you're not just relaying back a diagnosis you're basically opening a new chapter in someone's life yeah it's like you know losing a significant portion of your vision that's that's really a new chapter in your life you have to relearn how to do things Mm -hmm. or learn that there are things that you're not going to be able to do and that you're going to need additional help with and i never i didn't get any of that like i have another appointment with a retinal specialist at the end of the month and that's the other thing is like because they're so busy the space between appointments it's like this guy was I was lucky that I got the appointment that I did because he was already booked out to March of this year. And I'm like, holy snakies. Like, Sorry I can't. Your blindness. <laughs> I'll see you in three months. Sorry, you're blind. I'll see you in three months. Whoops. Um, like right now I'm, I'm waiting to see my, my endocrinologist. So I don't have an appointment with her until February. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, oh. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait, but it's pretty much, you know, I'm, that's what I can do. So there's that link between, okay, how much do I do on my own? And then how much do I allow the doctor to do? And what do I find to fill the gap in between? So the focus is for, for me, the last several months, the focus has really been on me. And sometimes, like, it's weird because I feel, sometimes I feel like I'm not seen. But sometimes I feel like I don't want to be seen. Seen or seen? Seen. Okay. You know, it's like. Like you're invisible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would, I would rather, I feel like I would rather be invisible than the center of attention especially when the attention seems to be 
you know, the handing out of diagnosis. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, right. Can I escape this room, please? I would really yeah. rather not be here for this. Thanks. Um, you know, like it was interesting to me the the day that I got the diagnosis for my eye. It was interesting because I basically <laughs> talking about going in blind. I really had no idea at that point what was happening. Um, I noticed some weirdness like several months previous and like that was a big spur to try for the insurance and then miraculously I got the insurance and yeah it took forever to get the referral to the doctor and then to get in to see him and then in one day I basically had like a three-hour appointment of which I was by myself and I went from one room to another room to another room to another room to another room. It was a huge office. And basically they they do their intake by starting with tests with an optician. And then they send you to the optometrist. And then the optometrist hands you over to the ophthalmologist. And then if the ophthalmologist can't help you, he sets you up with a referral to the retinal specialist. Um, so I had a gazillion tests done that day. I was rushed from one room to another. I'm already having issues with vision and I was dilated for the, what I realized was really the first time. Cause I kept thinking that I had had it done before. And I'm like, I don't think I have actually <laughs> after having it done. I'm like, I don't ever remember experiencing this before. Well, I think it's different when you're a child. <sighs> I mean, possibly it, I may have possibly once when I was a child, but either way, I hadn't had it done in a long time if I had. Mm-hmm. So I'm literally like, I can't see. <laughs> They're like, here, follow me down this hallway. And I'm like, and they're all going at like Mach 2 and I'm like running into walls and feeling myself like, you know, like hands on the wall going and they're popping their heads out of offices and going, okay, I'm over here. And it's like, keep talking. Give this girl an arm. What is wrong with you people? Give her a cane, something. <laughs> oh my God. I felt so loopy and disoriented. I felt like I was having an out of body experience. It was really weird. And then, um, the, the optometrist does, the test that's basically going to show what's happening like a little bit deeper in the eye to figure out if I need to be handed over to the ophthalmologist and they do that. And she's like, okay, yeah, I need to hand you over to the ophthalmologist. And then he comes in, looks in and they're like, you know, having this caucus around the computer looking at these images and he's like, okay, yeah, let's set her up with blah, blah, blah test this that and the other and I hear I hear the word injections and I'm like I don't know what that's all about but okay like that's not that's not usually a word that you like to hear no in conjunction with your eyeball no (laughs) so I was like okay I don't know what this is for but I guess they'll tell me and I get ushered off to this other room where I actually have to have um, I have to have contrast injected into my arm. So they have to go through the and I'm a horrible stick. 
like I, I previously I've, I've had to give blood for blood tests and things with different issues that I've had a lot. And it's horrible to go have blood work done for me because my veins are tiny and shallow and it's very easy to blow through them. So I had to walk my ophthalmologist through, <laughs> you know, putting the contrast in, which of course first requires you to find a vein that's that, that you can actually get into and they have to bring up a little bit of the blood so that they're uh, so they can make sure that they're not uh, putting any air into your vein. Um, so yeah, so they had to do that. Luckily he took my advice and got me on the very first stick and I was incredibly appreciative of that. But then I had to sit there with contrast in my arm and do, you know, weird tests that required me to like lean in and lean back, lean in and lean back, lean in and lean back from these machines while big flashes of light, you know, was happening in my eye and I'm, and I'm bouncing back from the left eye to the right eye to the left eye. And I remember before the injection of the contrast actually happen the gal telling me sometimes people get a little nauseous with the contrast and i remember hearing her but it really didn't compute until i'm halfway through the test and i'm going oh here comes the nauseousness awesome that's fun mm. okay so i'm just gonna sit here and feel nauseated and uh hope they don't puke on my shoes because that would be horrible <laughs> um and then you know they usher me back into the other room and i wait for the test results to be brought up in the computer in the room that i'm in and the ophthalmologist comes in and now we're showing, you know, the, the, the big show of here's what a normal eye looks like. So referencing my right eye and, and you can see like the fluid level that's in the eye and all the things that are happening, like, you know, around the whole eyeball. And then he goes, and then in contrast, let's take a look at your left eye and He's like, there's like no fluid there. And here is a growth of blood vessels um, like in front of the macula or behind the macula, I guess. Um, and he's like, it's it's a trauma event that happens. And he's like, normally we don't see it until like in most cases, you'll see it listed as AMD, which is which stands for. Uh, age-related macular degeneration or ARMD and he's like you're 46 you're nowhere near the age where we normally start seeing this like usually bare minimum is like 60 but usually it's over 60 and usually it's in conjunction with things like heart disease uh, diabetes things like that I don't have any of those things. Um, the other thing is like high blood pressure. I don't have high blood pressure. Um, so he's like, uh, 
none of the normal things are triggered here. He's like, so unfortunately, I cannot tell you how it happened. He's all, I can tell you that it was a little while ago, not too long ago, um, just from general health of the eye. And I can tell you that there was, there would have been no indicators to you that this was going to happen. There would have been no way for us to prevent it. Wow. It just happened. And he's like, and unfortunately, once it happens, that's it because of where it is in the eye. And it's like, well, are there any surgeries or anything like that? He's like, no, because basically any eye surgery like that is done at the very surface of your eye. It's you're basically just going through those first membranes to to fix stuff that's on the surface. Like if you have cataracts or something like that, that's even though that's scary, most of the time that's actually an easier fix than something like this. Cause this is way at the back of the eye. There's no way of getting to that without destroying the rest of the eye. Mm-hmm. So the, the fix quote unquote is basically an injection into the eyeball that gets to the back of the eye that helps to slow down the growth of the blood vessels that are clumping and helps to um, kind of get fluid back in that area. But he's like, but bottom line is your vision will never be the same. Like it will not be what it was before ever. And any improvement will be slow going. And that's kind of what I was left with, even Mm -hmm. though I had, like, I remember asking a few questions and kind of, he kind of like blew through some very like fluff answers, but I was, you know, the processing, (laughs) like the minute he said, Hey, you have permanent vision loss. It was like, and things slowed way down and all of a sudden all of his words sounded like garbly gook Mm -hmm. so i i just couldn't i couldn't wrap my head around most of what he was telling me and then he kept mentioning injections and i'm like wait like i'm getting injections (laughs) And he's like, yeah, that's how you, that's the only treatment really are the injections. So luckily your insurance will allow us to do it today. So I'm going to go ahead and grab the, and I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Slow your roll, slow your roll. What today? Like in my eyeball, like in the actual eye. Yep. And in the eye. And then he's like, it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. And I'm That's like, comforting. Okay. Thanks, and, and then proceeds to tell me, I'm really glad that your insurance is the kind of insurance that will allow us to do it today. Because in most cases, if people have to come back, they won't. <laughs> Shit. Oh, God. To where I, I'm like, uh, uh. Uh, 
I guess I'm getting an injection in my eyeball. Um, that doesn't sound fun at all. And he starts like explaining his process to me, but this man speaks kind of like the, the, um, the, oh man, the little tiny cars, the matchbox cars. Remember the guy in the commercials when we were kids that used to speak like super fast about the, oh, the micro yeah, machine? Yeah, yeah. yeah, the fast talker. The fast talker guy? Yeah. yeah. The, this doctor totally talks like that guy when oh he's trying gosh. to explain something. And I'm like, uh, it's like, here, fill out these forms. So, and I'm like, Here's the other thing. They keep asking me to fill out forms and I'm like, I already can't see very well. And they are asking me <laughs> to fill shit out. My eyes are dilated at this point. Uh-huh. I have blue eyes. So under fluorescent lighting in a doctor's office with the like blinder little shields on trying to like sign shit. And then I have like the contrast thing going on and like all this stuff has been shoved in my eyes and lights and flashing and blah. so like at this point they just keep shoving things in my hand and I'm like okay and so I'm like <laughs> I don't even know if I'm making it on the line or if it's leg- like whatever <laughs> <laughs> you know if it's acceptable for you I guess it's acceptable for me um and then he comes back with this little tray and he's like okay uh here's how I do it and again, you know, in his fast talk, he explains what he's going to do. And then all of a sudden, like, he's like, OK, we're going to lean you back now. And so he leans me back in the chair and there's this like spreader thing that they put over your eye to, like, keep your eye open. And he's like, I do this thing instead of giving you the like the inje- the numbing injection. I'm going to numb your eye first. But I'm not going to numb it with an injection, which I was like, you know, one part of my brain is like, yay. And then the other part of my brain is like, well, wait a second. Does it work as well? Does it work at all? Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, you're not going to use a thing which I'm happy about. And yet at the same time, skeptical. Hmm. And it was so weird. It was like this weird fluttering thing that he kept doing to my eye and it like it dried my eye out a lot like I already don't have very well lubricated eyes I'm like unless I'm crying like I've noticed (laughs) that like my eyes are fairly dry um and yeah it was a really weird sensation and then he's talking to me and you at this point you can't really see what's going on (laughs) and I feel this pinch and he's like okay we're done and I'm like oh okay and he's like all right well um you know your next visit's going to be with the rental specialist because unfortunately I can't tell you really any much more about like how it happened or you know, what next step was steps would be outside of doing the injections. I don't think there's anything else that we can do, but you know, maybe he can give you any, some, some other information. And that was basically it. And he left. That sounds, <laughs> and like, so it's I'm about, like, that sounds like it's about as close to Sweeney Todd as you ever want to get. <laughs> <laughs> serious. Serious. Oh my God. So, 
so yeah so i kind of collected my paperwork like waited and stood at the little window to get my slip of when my next appointment was and went out and then completely fell apart of course yeah what just happened to me that's like that's like a whole onslaught of traumas in all by yourself in a clinical environment clinical in itself is traumatic to me that's all yeah. it takes for me. I, I would have, I, I fall apart after being in a clinical environment. The end. <laughs> you were clinical tests, throwing up on your shoes, running into walls. Here, sign this. It's like, you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like, you know, those old goofy cartoons where the narrator was giving mm-hmm. Goofy the instructions. It sounds like one of those except horror edition. It felt like that. <laughs> like, it's a horror goofy cartoon. And holy shit, man, of course you fell apart. Who wouldn't? That's, hey, by the way, you're blind, and now we're going to do all this stuff that won't help you, but we're interested in it. Yeah. Like, what oh. the hell? And it's like, he had, when he put up on the screen the, like, the, the, like, proof positive of what had happened in my left eye, he left it up on the screen for a minute, and he's like, do you want to take a picture of this? And I'm like, huh? He's like, what? Oh, most people are really interested. Do you want to take a picture of this just for your records? I'm like, do Why? I, want to I can't take see it. <laughs> do I want to take a picture of the of the thing that's like making me blind right now? No, not especially. Right. I want to keep that on my phone. Um, so I said no. But like, yeah, it was just what it was the whole experience was so surreal. I'm still trying to like, even as I recount it, I'm trying to wrap my head around it because it was just, it was so, so drawn out. It felt like a series of like rubber band snaps. Like it was really drawn out and then it was very quick and then it was very drawn out and then it was very quick. And um, yeah, and my eye felt like crap for like days afterwards. I had like a huge headache, but I was super dry. So, and I know that I'm going to get another injection at the end of the month. So I'm not looking forward to the few days afterwards where it's going to feel like crap Crapola. again. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds like a friggin' nightmare. And, and the thing that adds to the nightmare and maybe makes it, I'm not sure if it actually helps or hurts more is the, the inevitable dissociation that a surreal experience like that is going to cause because what's happening is your environment is reflecting back to you something that is so dissonant with your actual personal experience of it mm-hmm. that there's it just how do you even begin to process something like that when your environment is like all right we'll come down this hall blind person who can't see whether we're not acknowledging is blind who we just made blinder you know it just doesn't make any sense you would think that or you would hope that people assistants nurses whatever they were would be tuned in enough to the patients after seeing 60 people a day to know that maybe they need a little escort down the hallway. And instead, there seems to be this hands-off policy for whatever reason, regardless of whether it's they haven't been through it themselves, so they really don't get it, or they find that people do better for whatever reason without being coddled. I don't know what the story is behind it, but it just seems that needs were going unmet in that situation you know the the first thing that i thought of as i was going through it was you know like and of course my parents are now 
in their 70s. And so I can kind of relate it to them. But I, I was really thinking of my grandparents. Like I remember like going with my grandparents to like doctor's visits occasionally, you know, and it was like, I feel, I feel bad for these elderly people, especially those who may not have anybody to, you know, go with them or be with them. And there's all this rushing around and I can only imagine that if it's difficult for me mm-hmm. and this is kind of, you know, the, I'm, I'm not new to being kind of pushed around the medical system in general. Like this is something that I've kind of grown up with most of my life. So I'm used to it on one hand, but also in another sense, it still makes me, it makes me sad. It makes me angry. Um, you know, and there's just like, it's like, where's the compassion at? Where yeah. is, where's the compassion? Where is, where's the teaching at? You know, it's like, you just expect people to accept whatever it is that you tell them with no real, no real explanation that they can wrap their heads around, especially in the moment when all of that is happening. And not a whole lot of help is offered after that. Um, and I'm like, you know, that's, that's not cool. And I, and I guess, you know, I also think of, well, especially if this is something that happens to older individuals, I think they just, in most cases, assume that, you know, well, they, they're not going to have to deal with anything like work because they're old and, you know they either have somebody already caring for them or they're going to have somebody caring for them and they probably don't have that long left. So I don't know. What kind of help do you want me to offer them? I logically, I can understand some of that, even though it doesn't feel good. I can understand some of those generalizations but at the same time it's like well you know but here I am I'm 46 not everybody matches that mold so what about those people who aren't in that category yet who do have all of these hurdles that they're going to face and why aren't you offering some sort of additional assistance or, you know, like I was expecting, it's like, is there a, like a brochure or a handout, a, you know, a, is there a pamphlet for that? A guide because... to your new blindness. <laughs> right. Like it was killing me in the office, in the waiting room. There are all of these photos on the wall that I eventually figured out were photos of different types of, um, like eye issues i knew you were gonna say that but they're like you know they're like portraits of people who are distorted in different ways and at first i'm sitting there going are my eyes that like okay now i'm closing my left eye looking through my good eye (laughs) and my good eye is all wonky 
and like I had to walk up to it eventually and see that no, down in the corner they had written the the different types of of you know ocular distortions that you can have in the fucking corner. With and you. It's like that fucking is a horrible thing to do to someone. They were fucking with you from the <laughs> moment you stepped from foot the, in that office. From the beginning. From the beginning. Um, you know, and then of course walking out and and after some of the the wave of you know overwhelm set in and I kind of got to have my moment of you know crying and all the other stuff it was like you know now now of course my spiritual curiosity has peaked and it's like okay so what does this relate to spiritually it's like well I have a whole a whole hell of a lot of left side stuff going on which is definitely maternal stuff and so, you know, I started working on that and we talked about some of that in the last episode. Um, but, you know, also the implications of, well, what does it mean to have, like, what does it mean to have your, your physical vision taken away? It's like, well, in a lot of times your, your physical accuracy is removed in order to have a more spiritual accuracy enhanced and so this is also kind of a cue for me to like oh so there's probably also going to be another shift in gifts again because that's something that I've pretty much experienced throughout my life and I've I've grown I've grown to be more aware of it And I've grown to try to not be so alarmed when things happen because I've seen it and experienced it so often throughout my life that, you know, your, your gift will, your gifts will change and, and shift along with whatever, the need is for that moment. So it was also kind of interesting to me to have that kind of, it's like, okay, well, if, if they're turning it off, if they're turning it off here, then they're turning it on somewhere else or amplifying it somewhere else. So it's been interesting to kind of sit with, all right, so whatever that shift is going to be. (laughs) Have you seen anything notable? Um, I'm reminded of things that I've been shown in the recent past, which has definitely been an uptick in um, more, uh, I guess you would just call it psychic clarity. Um, Like I've, I've definitely been given hints that I'm going to channel more, and that I'm going to grow more in those kind of more intuitive um, in the clear senses. So, mm-hmm. um, and that, again, that's been kind of throughout my life. I've had different shifts in that area throughout. So I'm, I'm kind of used to it in one way. But in another way, it's still like, you know, it's a surprise every time. It doesn't matter how many times you go through it. And I think that's um, that's definitely something that I'd like to 
help people who are, I guess, or maybe a little newer to the process who are just starting to kind of figure out what their gifts are and look into things, um, you know, not as a, uh, like, I don't want to bum anybody out, but know that as, as soon as you get used to one thing, <laughs> it's going to shift yeah. into something else. Something else will open up. Something might um, dial back. But the important part is to know it's not you. There's there's nothing that you are doing or not doing that is causing a particular gift to wane or well, I think or it is you. Flat. It is it, you. It's just not a punishment. It's no, not it's not being a done as a pun. It's and again, this you know, this harkens back to the post that I did on Instagram, I guess yesterday, about coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they said, the message that came through was it's not it's not against you, it's for you. Yeah. And it's actually, you know, this is hard for a lot of people to swallow. I totally get that, but it's by you. Yeah. You know, this is this is your higher self saying, all right, it's time to amp things up. It's time to take this in this direction. And we are very attached to, to the directions that we want to go or think we should be going. And that's where the horror show begins is when there is a complete divergence from where we think we should be or want to be and where we actually end up having to be. And that's when we start resisting it. Yeah. Or you get really comfortable or start Mm -hmm. to really enjoy a particular portion of a gift. Yeah. And then it feels like it's turned off. Being taken away. Or it goes kind of sideways a little and you're like, whoa, 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 what's happening? You know, Mm -hmm. and but immediately people want to go, oh, I'm either not doing this enough Mm -hmm. or and they get really frustrated and it's like ease up on yourself a little bit um and just try to be more open to the directions that you feel being pulled towards and try not to resist that in favor of you know oh but I want I want this portion of it back because it does get it, it does get hard sometimes you get addicted to the way a particular thing is coming through for you, especially if you've kind of, you know, figured out your, your books of tips and tricks on that particular way of receiving. And then all of a sudden it's like the rug is pulled out from under you and you're like, wait a second, like, am I going to be able to, you know, do, am I still able to receive it all? Like what's, happening here because a lot of times you'll get moments of like radio silence (laughs) and it's like wait a second where is my team where are my guides universe source oh creator usually (laughs) that radio silence has to come in order to give you space to process the human reaction to it there's always going to be a human reaction to it no matter how freaking spiritual and knowledgeable and wisdomly you get you're still going to have a human experience you're still going to react to any trauma and trauma is defined as anything that you don't want (laughs) you have to react to it and process it and so that you can integrate it yeah it's you know it's it's all a part of bringing it into the physical and usually a 
big part of bringing it into the physical is a big shift. And it's usually a shift that you're uncomfortable with. So, you know, when we say get comfortable with being uncomfortable, that's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of the, the unfortunate and yet fortunate portion of being human is that you need to experience things in the physical because the physical is how you create your reality you have to create your reality all reality is is the physical experience of whatever it is you're creating you have to take that in and process it so that you can figure out a if it's something that you want to hold on to something that you want to release and B, if it's something that you want to hold on to, then what is it going to mold into, morph into next? What are you seeding? What are you building? What are you creating? And all of those things that you start holding on to that are actually able to make it down, um, you know, down that chakra route into your, you know, actually into your root area those are the things that are going to be seated for you. Those are the experiences that you're going to have because that's what you've allowed in. So yeah, we're coming into a really interesting time of, I think really, um, really seeing that and experiencing that in ways that we maybe haven't allowed ourselves to yet. Um, And a lot of that is because of the work that you've done already Mm -hmm. because you have kind of dealt with it on that spiritual side and you're starting to bring that into your physicality to integrate fully. And now you're having experiences that are going to help you decide what you want to do with that energy. So I really do feel like, 2023 is going to be a very transformative year um for me personally it's you know it's it's already started happening with all the medical things and that is leaning into you know how do i how do i function as a person how do i function as a human being how have i functioned in the past and how do I want and need to function in the future to allow the parts of me that need to expand and grow and shift and change and become something new? How do I make space for that to happen? And right now the message is very much that I need help. Yeah. I need, I need to learn how to work with others and express myself to others in ways that I haven't because I've been so used to just picking up the ball and running with it, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of passing it (laughs) to someone else to make the better play. Yeah. Uh, You know, to use that kind of analogy of a sport that I have absolutely really no foundation and or at all um but it seemed appropriate uh you know that's it's just it's a very it's a very new 
process for me to like be okay with handing that over because in some ways it's still like there's still leftovers from the trauma of not having kids so every creation feels like I'm birthing something and so it kind of feels like I'm handing my child over to someone else to raise and I'm like but I just got it (laughs) like (laughs) You know, I want to dress it up cute and play with it and mold it and shape it into, you know, this, this new life. And yet the universe is clearly telling me, hey, you can't handle that all on your own. Remember, it takes a village. Well, so, and more than you can't, what if, what if you're not supposed to? Yeah. You know, yeah what if no, that, totally. that child, um, it's funny because you see it as a child that you want to dress up and mold and I see it as a basketball where we can just chest pass and ba- bounce pass. So you're throwing me a child and I'm bouncing it back to you like a basketball. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the vision that I get. But well, you and know, sometimes that's what it feels like. It's like, who is going to care for this as much as I am? And so that's uh-huh. kind of where the ego gets involved and says, well, you have to do it all yourself because who else is going to love that thing as much as you are? Again, Nobody's going to do it that's, like you that's are. The point. That's the point yeah. of ma- forcing it out of your hands, helicopter mm-hmm. mom. You know, it, it, yeah. it, someone has to give it space to grow. Someone has to infuse it with a different kind of energy because it is very likely for all of us that if we are the only ones fostering the growth of something, we will smother it thinking yeah. that we're doing a good thing. Well, and again, in my head, it's it's not that hard to convince me because I also see, well, this is a bridge to unity. Mm-hmm. If I pass something off to someone else and keep that energy flowing, I also know that like there there are other works, you know, behind the the scenes, behind the the physical portions of my being that have already been put into place and that's very much how they're working right now and so you know I'm like well I kind of know that that's already a thing so then I should be okay with doing it in this portion of my life too mm-hmm. because it's no different and so it's not always- like it's I will always huh? be here to I will always be here to bounce past that baby back to you for the slam dunk. <laughs> Don't Thanks. you worry, that baby is a star. Thanks. Um, yeah, that's gonna have to be like a. There's gonna have to be some visual. I don't know how I'm going to make a baby bounce past Instagram posts. So you're going to have to work with me on that one. (laughs) Oh my God. All I can think of is um, like the, the first thing that pops into my head is uh, do you remember the movie, the cutting edge? Oh yeah. Unfortunately I do. Yeah. (laughs) The, what do they call it? The, the Panchenko twist, the throw bounce. Absolutely impossible. Ridiculous. (laughs) ending move of the movie that made absolutely no sense according to physics yeah <laughs> like that weird bounce throw thing um yeah that's all i could think of oh man anyways so that's that's kind of the direction that things are heading in and i'm i'm glad that at this point like i still have 
there are still other things that are in the works too. Like last week was all about going to a bariatric uh, specialist. On and a bariatric specialist. Explain that for those who may not know. So uh, this is basically for a consult about getting a bariatric surgery done for weight loss and other other health benefits but basically i have been i have been what most people consider heavy or you know overweight or however you want to put it probably since i was like 9 or 10 was probably the beginning process of that and in my early 20s, I found out that I had hypothyroidism. Uh, in my late 30s, I was finally diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is uh, basically a, a more advanced version of hypothyroidism. It's basically what they consider, where they consider you're at after you've reached certain levels consistently in tests, um, it causes a lot of complications. It causes a lot of uh, autoimmune issues to kind of snowball things like PCOS. And um, for women, it like for women, it, it really causes a lot of issues because it's, it, you're really messing with your hormones and, your metabolic rates. So, you know, you'll have a lot of things like high cholesterol and you'll have um, a, a lot of people who have things like hypothyroidism and PCOS, endometriosis, things like that are kind of at that pre-diabetic level, like stuck at that like high side of normal um, you know, pretty much for the rest of their lives, unless they happen to be the lucky ones who, who, who have a medication that works well for them, which I really did not. Like I went on metformin when I was first, um, diagnosed and really didn't do well on it at all. So I had to be taken off of it. So like, that was not really a good option for me. And I did not do well with most of the thyroid medication either. And the last time I found a medication that was really good, unfortunately, right around the time that the pandemic started, uh, the medication became unavailable. So I have been pretty much without the medication uh, for the last several years. And although I've been, you know, holding my own, trucking along, uh, certain test levels are now at like off the charts high levels which basically like my tsh is really high which your tsh level basically shows how hard your body is working to try to maintain the status quo <laughs> of yeah. keeping your because your your thyroid also tells your major organs how to function so it's it's doing a lot it's a it's it's really a workhorse and so right now my body is triggering it's it's triggering 
a lot of production of T4 in hopes to make it into T3. But that level keeps climbing and the body's not keeping up with the conversion. So like the T3 and the T4 levels are squeaking by barely but you can see how hard the body is working by like where that TSH level is and it's mm -hmm. it's up there so part of the conversation was well due to your age and all the other things that you've been through and the length of time that you've been dealing with it and the inability to get things you know, in, into a more manageable realm, the suggestion is to go through a bariatric surgery that will help with the weight loss, which will in turn help to manage all of the other things, because that's, that's the first thing that they tell you is, well, if you can get some of the weight off, unfortunately, the hard part is when you have things like hypothyroidism and PCOS, the weight doesn't really just come off mm -hmm. you it usually takes some pretty um long-term concerted efforts to get the weight off and keep it off i've managed to get it off several times the hard part is keeping it off mm -hmm. because the body continues to change and in my case a lot of the time what happens is whatever Whatever cool method I came up with to lose it, after a while, my body says, oh, I don't like that particular food anymore, or I don't like something about what you're doing. This doesn't work for us anymore. And I kind of get jostled off that path. So now I'm looking at the bariatric surgery, which is not something that that I am fond of it's is something that I've looked into before, but it's been probably, I want to say probably a good 10 years or so since I looked into it initially. And I have known several people who have gone through it, albeit, you know, probably um, beyond 10 years ago. So what I've been told basically is that methods that were done 10, 15 years ago are really not being done or at least not being done in the same way anymore and so now what i'm looking at is uh probably getting a sleeve done which is basically uh a much less risky operation than um than getting an actual like full bypass done the full bypass actually involves like cutting half of the stomach out and like closing it up from the lower stomach and then taking a piece of your intestine and rerouting it, um, which that opens up a whole bunch of risk. And basically the, the surgeon that I talked to said, I, I don't suggest doing that. The risk is too high. Um, I would suggest the sleeve, the sleeve out of like 10, you know, zero to 10 on the risk scale is more of like a 2.5 mm -hmm. and is a more direct 
uh, route. Basically, you're you're still cutting out a portion of the stomach and closing it off, so that you just you you will survive in a lot less, and you'll need to be supplemented through you know vit- just vitamin supplements for certain things because of the amount that you can consume. So that's what I'm looking into at the moment. And basically my thought process is I enjoy learning. And so I don't mind going through the process as a learning process. I still have the option to opt out and not actually have the surgery. If that's something that I feel like I just don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the time being, I'm going to go ahead and go through the process because the process is interesting to me. Um, it does involve things like classes on nutrition and things like that. And I'm kind of interested to see like, you know, what kind of education do you arm people with that are actually going to go into this? I'd like to know, uh, you know, if it's something that I can benefit from awesome part of me is skeptical that they actually give you enough information. So part of me is like, yeah, go ahead. I want to see what you're, (laughs) I want (laughs) to see what you give me so I can nitpick it. Um, But, you know, there's also a part of me that's like, well, again, things kind of seem to be aligning themselves in a particular way. Like one of my first things was, well, I don't even know if my insurance is going to cover it. And the first thing that the bariatric surgeon said was, look, your BMI alone qualifies you with your insurance. Any insurance will pay for this at this point. That's just the point that they've gotten to is that doing this procedure, you know, ends up saving them money in the long run because they're not dealing with things like heart attacks and strokes and, you know, things like that. So I'm like, well, If they're going to pay for it, then I will certainly educate myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I feel like I can do it without the surgery, awesome. If I feel like going forward with the surgery, then after the surgery is done, I think he said the, the basic breakdown is that you lose anywhere from like, two to three pounds a week and that it's fairly simple to lose about 70 pounds pretty much right off the bat and i'm like that's a lot like i've dropped that is a lot yeah i've dropped 60 65 on my own previously it's hard to do yeah uh and it's really hard to keep off Mm -hmm. but You know, there's the other side of that. It's like, well, if you're having help (laughs) and you're really not going to be able to consume as much, part of me is like, well, I really don't like the chore of eating anyway. Most of the Mm -hmm. time, most of the time it's like, even though I like, I enjoy cooking, I enjoy food. I'm a foodie. But the other part of me is like, especially as I get older, I feel like it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't like if somebody wasn't poking me, like if the little, you know, gremlins in, in my body weren't going, feed me, feed me, feed me. 
I would probably just forget. Mm-hmm. Honestly, because usually I am too busy focusing on other things to remember to actually eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of me is like, well, if I don't have to do it as much or as often, cool. Like that's, you know, less of a food budget I have to have. And then there's also another part of me that's like, you know, I really feel like I'm going to be traveling in the next couple of years and like that's going to be a big thing and there are places that I want to visit and things that I want to do and I keep thinking about like like a trip to Glastonbury and I'm like I would actually like to be able to make it to the top of the tour without passing out (laughs) (laughs) and so if this gives me the opportunity to get in a physical condition to where I can actually go and participate in some of the things that I would like to participate in before I'm a little lady cool Mm -hmm. like I can get behind that but yeah it's kind of when I step back from everything I'm like wow this is quite a process and for the bariatric thing especially there is quite a process that you have to undergo to do that kind of surgery which includes a psych evaluation to which I've already signed up for and had to do a very long questionnaire it took about 45 minutes to an hour to complete and I was just telling you before we started part of that psych eval is going through a list of kind of traumatic events and choosing your your options are you know have you experienced this yourself have you witnessed this thing happening did it happen to somebody close to you you know all the way up to i've never experienced this And I noticed that for like that entire list, which was pretty long, most of my answers happened in those first three options of I've either experienced myself, I've witnessed, or I've had it affect somebody very close to me. Like I've been through the process of that with them. And I was like, dang, like... I've been through some stuff (laughs) and it's hard because I think a lot of times we don't think about some of the things that we go through as traumatic events or, you know, like things that would affect us that way. And it's not until you kind of have a piece of paper laying it out for you in front of you where you're like, huh, I could see where that could screw somebody up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I've been more affected than I thought. Right. Maybe I have more to process than I realized. And it's not like, it's not like I don't know that. I mean, shadow work has been, I feel like that's been kind of my bread and butter for the last, you know, six, seven, eight years, almost processing that. And I'm, good with it but at the same time I think there are just there are certain things that unless they are sticking out in your mind for you by you raising that flag 
there are certain things that are, you know, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't really hit you until you're faced with something like this. So I'm interested to go through that process and kind of discover how, how affected am I as an empath? How much of that kind of thing, you know, that thing that I thought was very peripheral that I was experiencing, you know, very third, fourth hand, or at least I thought, like, how close did that actually get to me? How far did I allow that in? How much mm -hmm. of that residue am I holding on to, like, unknowingly? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see where that portion of, of this particular journey will, will kind of land for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. talk about a new chapter. New mm -hmm. chapter, indeed. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a lot going on. And there's still a lot to process and work through. But in the same turn, I feel like it's also opened up a lot of kind of doorways into things that have been on the back burner for a while or that have been, you know, kind of maybe a, a ghost of an idea that is now starting to flesh out more that I feel like I'm getting more guidance for or just more information is coming through. So I am also excited for those projects what's brewing that, and stewing <laughs> that, that are very much brewing and stewing. And I feel like you're actually going to come online pretty quick. I don't feel like it's going to be a long drawn out process. Like most things when they come in, it's like, you know, it feels like it's on simmer. Right. And it's like, oh, well, this takes a long time to, to boil down and uh, you know, come up with the meat of, of whatever it's going to be. And it feels like, there, there have been some things that have been simmering for years where it's like, okay, it's concentrated now. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. Make your sauce. Right. It's like, okay. Yeah. All right. Ready well, and that's, to, what, they've uh, been, that's yeah. what they've been saying to me. I mean, I said, I've been saying for the past couple of shows that the guides are like January, February, January, February. And I'm like, how big is this January, February thing? Is it like, is it physical manifestation January and February? Or is it, you'll see the path January and February? And they're just, it's mum's the word. They just keep January, February, January, February. And I'm like, ah, fine, 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 fine. And for the most part, I'm, I'm just given into the process. It's not even a, an ironic or sarcastic fine. It's just a, okay, whatever. Like, I'm just along for the ride at this point. The, yeah. the thing that I'm working on right now is not getting in my own way. Sounds yeah, really simple, but it's kind of one of the hardest things to do is not well, get in I your own way. I think that's really the task for all of us right now is to not get in our own way. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's been funny because like everywhere I look, the message is the same message. 
like we've been getting the same thing. And as I look to other people that we follow um, or that we talk to, the message is the same. The issues are are all kind of like in the same, you know, the the same stroke of work in the you know, even though the situations might be different, it's the same feel. Mm-hmm. You know, the I feel sort of stuck, but I feel like I'm revving my engines and I feel like something big is going to happen, but I'm not sure exactly what it is. And I feel overwhelmed and I feel tired, but I also feel energized. And, you know, like I have all of these conflicting things happening, but it feels like something is starting to open up. I just don't know what. Mm-hmm. We've heard that over and over and over again. And, you know, I, I understand it. I understand it. It's, it's just where we are on a whole as a collective. Um, so many things are coming up for kind of a, you know, it's like a fresh take, a new look, a different outcome, a, you know, this thing that once felt really important doesn't feel as important anymore. Or, you know, this, this thing which felt very heavy doesn't feel as heavy, even though it's still something that's very much staring me in the face. It doesn't feel like it's either such a huge burden or like it's a big monster, Mm -hmm. you know, lurking in the shadows waiting to jump out and get me. It's, it's just a thing that I need to be aware of and work through. Mm -hmm. So all of that's, interesting to me and I'm still yeah I'm still in that space of like not really understanding why I'm not freaking out I'm less in that space I think there is a certain level of acceptance that we've achieved Um, the message that's been sort of percolating for me not really a new message. Again, they're usually the same message over and over, but it's the way in which it is trickling in, the way I'm mm-hmm. processing it, the way I think mm-hmm. it's an integration. That's what it is. And I'm, I'm starting to really integrate the fact that, and it speaks back to something that used to happen to me all the time when I was younger, um, having people that were maybe slightly older than me feeling they were very organized and mature and these were things that they were praising themselves about. But for some reason, there was always a conflict between the way I did things and the way they did things because my take on things was always much more playful and was always considerably less serious. Not that I wasn't Mm -hmm. taking things serious, but I just didn't see the need to be so serious about executing things. And they took that as a sign of immaturity. They took it as a sign of um, irresponsibility. And I realize now that it comes from a very deep belief. I'd even say an understanding that everything about this life we're living is just busy work. No matter how important you think something is at the end of the day, 
it, it's really just busy work. What do you want to busy yourself with? Or yeah. what are you being called to busy yourself with? Because either way, it's what you want to busy yourself with, regardless of whether a human you wants it, a part of you wants it. A yeah. part of you wants this experience in some way, shape or form, not so that you can suffer. It's not, I'm not saying, hey, you're inviting these things in to make yourself miserable, even though kind of, sort of, you are, because <laughs> it's through that, that making yourself miserable that you get uncomfortable. And when you get uncomfortable, you start doing things and taking action and experimenting and taking risks that you wouldn't otherwise take. And that's the point yeah. of everything we go through. So whatever you're manifesting in this world, even if it's the most important medical find that saves humanity, it's still busy work because this entire life we're living is basically just an experiment. And I just feel very almost cradled in that perspective where yeah. I'm no longer applying such dire meaning to everything that happens. It's just, oh, I'm being moved in this direction. I'm literally like seaweed at this point. I'm seaweed in the current. <laughs> like, which yeah. way is the current flowing? I guess I'll go that way. It's colder over here. I don't like it. Can I go back to where it's sunnier, where the water's warmer? Can, you know, I'd rather have these fish around me than these fish. <laughs> Can we move in the other direction? How do I get back there? Everything is a figuring out at this point of what feels better. And what feels yeah. better at this point is not necessarily what feels more comfortable. True. Very true. Um, hmm. I think when I think of that, I think about the fact that I'm trying to be a lot more easy on myself when I have kind of a a cue or a clue of like something that I feel like is like, Oh, this thing is supposed to happen. And I get energized and start moving into a space where I'm like, okay, I want to create this thing. And then something pops up that feels like a roadblock. And I will immediately usually kind of the saboteur comes in and says, oh, you must have done something wrong or you moved in the wrong direction or even though logically I know that's not a thing, I know I'm wherever I'm supposed to be. I would, my my general thing was to kind of get down on myself about it mm -hmm. and almost punish myself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like exterior things weren't punishing me. I was punishing me. Mm -hmm. And coming to a realization of that and realizing, well, if it's you that's doing the punishing, it's also you that can undo that punishment. So, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so if you don't want a punishment, then maybe you should not punish not yourself. yourself. <laughs> Jeez, like, that's oh, deep. <laughs> oh, is that a thing that I get to do? Yeah, that's the thing that you get to do. And it's like, oh. What I hear okay. is start envisioning every move you make as a game of hot or colder. Mm -hmm. You know, like, am, am I getting warmer? 
is it hot? Is this the direction I want to go? It colder, colder. Wait, it got quiet. I want it to be louder. You know, everything. That's what we should be using contrast for at this point. Mm -hmm. If you're still using contrast as your master, if you're still looking at contrast as reward Show and punishment, me the <laughs> yeah, then, then try to move to a space where contrast is hotter, colder, warmer, cooler. How do I, you know, where are the nuances in that? Where do I move towards something I like more? Because once you can identify what you want, then it's a, the nuances of what you want are what feels better what feels worse, what feels good. And learning that, you know, just because it feels better, does it feel better because it gives you relief in that moment? Or are you actually doing future you a favor by making that decision? Right. And I have a, it's so funny, I have like a, a half vision of an old movie in my head. And I have a feeling it might be like an Indiana Jones movie. Or a spoof on an Indiana Jones movie. And I see like I see a guy with a sword and he's being, you know, it's like, oh, you know, whatever God or spirit or whatever, guide my sword. Actually, maybe even be from Princess Bride. That's not Indiana Jones. (laughs) It's it actually maybe from Princess Bride. And he like stumbles and oh man is it i think it's mandy patinkin's character is like stumbling with the sword and it's like guide me guide me and then the sword runs into like a wall or something and of course there's that moment of like i've just poured all of my everything into this and asked for guidance and i get you know bounced off a wall and he kind of like big sigh collapses like into something and that's that's the surrender Mm -hmm. and when he collapses into something he presses something that starts a chain reaction that opens that like does the big reveal it's like Uh but it's it's not until it's not until he like is completely deflated and like crumbles and leans into something because, you know, he doesn't feel supported anymore that him doing that action of complete release finally opens the door that he's been waiting for. And it's like, right. Oh, it was right here. <laughs> right. 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 You know, and like, and that's what it feels like sometimes is that, Oh, but I just poured everything into it and I'm asking and I'm not getting anything. And you run me into this wall. And, and it's like, yeah stop trying to control where it's like because i'm fighting you for the sword let it go right (laughs) let it go yeah i'm really really done with um putting all my effort into something and then having it not pan out i I, yeah if, if something's going to not pan out a i'd like to find out before i put all my effort into it please and b um i'm going to i've made a pact with myself that when something doesn't pan out instead of feeling defeated, I'm going to feel defeated. And then I'm going to, to re I'm going to take another look at it and reevaluate and say, all right, so it didn't work out that way. What is this telling me? Where is it pointing me? Where am I headed now as a result of this? 
uh, because the one thing that I'm absolutely 100% sure of is that we're not going to stop moving until we're dead and I'm not dead yet. So clearly there's somewhere for me to go. Yeah. Clearly I'm still here for a friggin' reason. So show me the reason. Yeah. Or, you know, or looking at a situation that maybe didn't pan out the thing, the way that you thought it was going to, and just saying, what parts of this did I really like? Like, what did I enjoy? What did I not enjoy? Okay, so let's use that as the foundation to move forward. Mm-hmm. Let's just take the parts that we liked and shift the parts that didn't work for us. So, you know, and and I think with most things, it's a process. I forget sometimes how long or how many things I had to go through to get to where I am now. And... You know, I can appreciate that process when I turn around and spend the time to look at it. But I get frustrated when, you know, when things don't go snap, snap, snap. I think it's hard sometimes because sometimes I can really visualize it. Like I can see the finished product and I'm like, come on, finished product. Like I already see it. It's already there. Let's make it happen. And it's like, okay, but first we have to start here. It's like, first you have to grow the tree. Then you have to pick the fruit. Well, then and you I have to, the part, and it's like. Oh. The part of the puzzle that's come in for me regarding that specifically is that, yes, I because that's always been an issue for me. I have these amazing finished products in my head. I see exactly how they would work. I see exactly how they'd be successful. I see exactly how to market them. It's getting there that has been, I've been completely stymied by. And what the guides are telling me is the reason that you are seeing the finished product that way is to tell you what journey you need to go on to refine yourself in order to be in alignment with manifesting each step of the journey towards that finished product. I always thought of it as manifesting the finished product. No, the journey is designed to manifest a you that is capable of manifesting the final product. Yeah. That's the part that I never got before. That's the whole busy work thing that I've been thinking about is it's all, it doesn't matter whether or not you get to that finished product. It matters whether or not you get to the you that you came here to be. And in the process of that, what are you able to let go of so that your history surrounding all of those old beliefs and that old thing shift enough to where you are creating something completely new that you don't have any scars around, that you don't have any history, that you don't have any trauma that you're trying to weed through and you have a more cleared path that's part of that work is you know changing belief systems and saying to yourself well I've tried it this way 10 times clearly that's not working Mm -hmm. so how would I like to tackle it this time what happens if we leave out this part or if we Mm -hmm. don't let this part you know get us you know stuck and mired in a situation where we start telling ourselves that this isn't going to pan out or that it's too hard or that I can't deal with this right now. I have too much on my plate. It's like, well, what can you 
restructure, let go of, release? What ideas can you say, you know, that was last time. This time is different. Let's let that be over there and let's this be something new. Wow. Okay. So what I heard in my head while you were saying that is where are your fresh eyes? Mm Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. I don't know why that makes me cry, but it friggin' does. Where are your fresh eyes? That's, like, at first I was like, what? That's silly. Oh, my God. And then it hit me, and I was like, you know, talking all about your appointment with the eye doctors and the uh, what's happening with your eyes, and they're like, where are your fresh eyes? And that's pretty much it in a fucking nutshell, isn't it? Like, where are you going to look when what you've been dependent on is taken away? How is it? I mean, nothing can take you in a, a more and in a newer direction than that. And my immediate thought is the solar plexus that I have to trust myself. Yeah. I have to trust that I know where I'm going, even when I can't see. And can you trust yourself enough? To the point where you are able to open up your vulnerable self to bounce past the baby (laughs) to someone else. Are you strong enough in your own belief in yourself to realize that it can't be taken from you? It will will always come back. Well, at this point, I have no choice, really. But if I, I know in my heart space that if I want to move forward... I have to trust myself because that's the next step. The next step is to, you know, it's, (laughs) Oh, that's funny. And now, now my, my uh, inner visions are wafting back and forth between um, the never ending story and going through the gates and all the trials. Yeah. And, um, and Oh gosh, clash of the Titans. (laughs) release the kraken (laughs) you know it's like yeah i have to get i have to get past those shadow aspects of myself that have been guarding the gates at the solar plexus and at the sacral and at the root those parts of me that have said you know you shall not pass with that idea right it's gonna fail don't even put your energy into it. Right. You know, that have kind of deflated, you know, hopes and dreams. I have to be able to push past that and trust myself and say, look, I've been through this shit like thousands of times Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't be here if I hadn't made it through. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I have to tell you, I have to tell you that while you were saying that the guides were like, it, the, the guides pointed out my pen. And the funny thing is, is that when I, every time I start uh, a recording with you, of course, I have a pen and paper here to write down ideas for Instagram posts and things I want to talk about and blah, 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 blah. And um, I usually have like four or five pens on this table because I always get, an, I always end up thinking I don't have a pen and bringing a new one, but I couldn't mm-hmm. find any other pen than the one I'm using. And I'm like, I hate that one. It's like so dry and scratchy. I hate that pen. And they're like, 
they're like, look at your pen. And I looked at it and I realized it's a partner's pen. It says partners oh, on Lordy. it. <laughs> Dude. Right? And I was like, Dude. It, it, not only is it from our, our days back in the days of, of working for the big D. <laughs> the big D. The I'm going to let that be. Um, but it, be. it literally partners. Like the, I think one of the themes for this year is going to be partnership. Partnering. This is this yeah. is the step towards unity that we've been waiting for. This is the next step. We went in. We hermited ourselves, and we learned to trust ourselves. And what they oh no, can you still hear me? I can still hear you. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, it said it lost connections, so I freaked yeah, out. But, I think um, we're good. Okay, good. Um, but I think the importance is, is that I wrote it down. Where did I write it down? 2023 is the big reveal, showing the ways you've already changed by giving you situations that challenge your old ways of doing things. Yeah. So it's the change has already taken place. Can you trust it enough? To do the yeah. things that make you feel vulnerable. Can you test it? Do you trust it enough to test it? And can you find when you feel like you don't have it, or if you feel unsure that you have it by yourself, maybe taking that as a cue to find partnership, find someone else that you can help build that trust with in yourself because very often people can see things in us that we don't see in ourselves and can help to point those those things out to us you know and can say hey you're really good at this like don't let that escape you mm -hmm. and oftentimes that's not something that we're willing to tell ourselves but we're willing to tell others and we all have people in our lives where i feel like you know these are the people that we go to that can remind us hey you're you're better at this than you think you are mm -hmm. <laughs> or you have a talent here and it's time to start maybe you know partnering with those people and linking up with those people and seeing where it is that you can help each other mm -hmm. and boost that confidence in each other and either you know manifest something together or or at least help get each other to a spot where you can fly on your own if that's what the next step is um but i think we're all kind of feeling that in a way i feel like a lot of us have things that have been brewing on the back burner for a long time that we're like i just don't know how i can get this done and it's like how about what if that thing is too big for just you what if that's something that you're meant to do with two people or three people or five people yeah. or 20 people. What if the reason you're feeling overwhelmed is because you're taking, you're hoarding it? Yeah. What if that feeling of overwhelm is telling you there has to be an opening to bring other resources in that it's not yeah. meant for you to handle with only your resources? Can you allow the village to raise the baby? Or bounce it back to you. Or bounce it back to you, whatever. <laughs> Slam dunk it. Slam dunk it. <laughs> oh, man. That's yeah. so sad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, it, it feels, I mean, just sit with that for a moment. Like if you, if you take a moment to think of something that's on your plate right now, 
that feels very daunting and heavy and you know feels like a super big load what would it feel like to give a piece of that away what would it feel like to hand a portion of that over to someone you know and let them run with it what kind of energy would what kind of energy does that create what kind of opening does that create what kind of pathway Mm -hmm. for new energy to come in does that create Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to look like another person taking the responsibility from you it can look many different ways and I think part of the problem that we have with things like asking for help or um, needing someone to hold our hand is that we're so focused on handholding, looking like another person coming in to be with you, that we don't, we're unable to identify other more nuanced ways where that feeling of relief that handholding can bring can come in a different form. And of course, it's going to look different for everybody. Yeah, exactly. And like, so for instance, in the case of like, I always, I've always held the thought of like within the healing community, especially I think about this and I think of so many people who are trying to take on many, many jobs and roll it into one to kind of make themselves a one-stop shop, which I think all of us who are kind of in that game have been guilty of at one time or another. Um, But I can also tell you that like, through that I've learned that there are just certain people that I would rather hand things off to. Like, do I have knowledge of certain things? Yes. Can I do certain things? Yes. But if I know somebody that I feel like that's their thing, I would much rather hand it over to them or hand somebody else over to them and say, you know, I can do that, but this person, this person I really trust in this particular area. I really like the way they do it. This is their thing. They have a huge passion for it. You know, hand that over and trust that that's going to come back to you in some way that someone else is going to recognize you for your thing and your contribution and hand somebody else off to you. Mm-hmm. Um so like that's that's one of the things that I think of and I think of especially within the healing community I think there's a lot of that where where we as individuals try to take on too many modalities, too many mm-hmm. specialties. And sometimes it's like look, it it doesn't matter that you can do all of those things. Do you want to go do all of those things? Do you have the energy to do all of those things? Nobody has the energy to do all of those things. Can you? Yes. Should you? Probably not. So, yeah. And I really do enjoy, I enjoy that. Like, I enjoy finding people that are like, this is my passion. And I really lean into it. And matching people up with those individuals that are like, no, 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 this is really my thing. Mm-hmm. And I really, or I would really want to experience that. And I can go, oh, perfect. Well, I have the exact 
correct person to hand you off to. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> it feels like not only did I help, but I don't have to take on that burden. I can easily hand that over. And like, And in that way, it feels good to do. So it's funny to me that there are portions of my life where I'm still like, oh, I need to carry that. And it's like, no, you really don't. Mm-hmm. Pass it along. Right. And again, the other benefit that comes from that is that now that person with whatever problem they're trying to solve for themselves will have a beautiful mixture of energies to play mm-hmm. with instead of just one dependency. That's the thing is that we are absolutely used to a comfort zone and with a comfort zone comes a dependency. Yeah. And we are moving out of a dependent energy and into I just posted about it today. This is not crazy, but feels crazy because, you know, you cannot find unity in dependency. You cannot yeah. find unity in enmeshment. You cannot find unity in entanglement. And I think people are mistaking over and over and over again dependency for unity. That's unified. It's not. That's a distortion of unity. And we're moving into actual unity. And in order to move into actual unity, we need to play with many different energies. We need to experience many different things. And we need to, we need to use all of those things to inform ourselves so that our discernment is sharpened. And as a result of our sharpened discernment, we can make choices on our own behalf. And as a result of making choices on our own behalf, we find freedom and sovereignty as an independent individual and then are not afraid to reach out to others because we no longer feel like others are a threat or are capable of being a threat because we understand from a soul level that our independence and our sovereignty is ours and it can only be given away by us. It cannot be taken away. It cannot be compromised anymore. We're no longer in that time. Well, and the importance of the importance of you as an individual and the importance of you as the individual working with and sharing with a greater collective of individuals Mm -hmm. and kind of crossing those paths. And again, they kind of show me that that light weave over the, the earth grid Mm -hmm. that's kind of creates that, that basket, you know, that, that that you're being cradled in right now is possible because of what has already come together and the way that we continue to level that up is by continuing to work that way and find even more ways that we can work that way not just in the background but now seeding that into our physical reality by doing that work in in our physicality in the earth project, in what we see in our everyday, making those connections, our everyday reality, not just what we're seeing in meditation or receiving the messages, you know, that's, that's one layer, but there are many layers to how this all works. And it's, you know, this, this is it. The time has come to finally seed those energies into our physical realities so that it's not just a dream of something that we're doing in the background or something that we've done in a previous lifetime, 
but something that we're allowing to be for ourselves in the here and now in the moment. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard to shift that way of thinking. It takes, it takes time to do that, but I feel like we're at a point where, you know, if, if you can really lay certain things down and just not pick them up anymore and realize that, you know, just because it was a lesson previously doesn't mean that that's something that you need to continue to carry forward with you over and over again. Um, you know, that you really can work that way, that you can create space for yourself and that that's what, that's really what 2023 I think is going to be about is creating your own space and doing that in concert with, um, with others, whether it be from, Hey, I don't need to, uh, just because I want to create a business, I don't need to design the website and the logo. And, you know, there are other people for that whose passion is that and they can pour their energy into it. And then that kind of energy, because, and again, they're showing me, think about where is your energy at when you take on too many things? there's all of these little aspects that are pulling that energy in these different directions to create mm -hmm. this thing. And you're not able to give everything 100% of yourself. That's impossible. So put your energy into the piece of it that you're really passionate about and then hand the other portions over to others who are passionate about that portion. And then every piece is getting a hundred percent it's coming in from other directions but that's creating the weave so instead mm -hmm. of precariously balancing on you know on your tippy toe on a pole now you have a net now you have a safety net you've created that that weave of energy that net of energy that can actually support whatever it is that you're trying to create and trust that you've already met the people that you already have the connections that you already know the things that you need to know. Now it's just a matter of realizing the resources that you have and putting them together and letting that flourish. Mm -hmm. That was a lot that just flew out of my base. <laughs> well, hopefully someone's out there who needs to hear it. But I think we yeah. did the thing. <laughs> I think we did the thing too. Awesome. Well, it was great catching up. Yeah, right? Let's do it again sometime. Right? Happy 2023, everybody. There's there's going to be a lot coming down the pike. Already, so, I can feel it. This is just the yeah. tip of the iceberg. No. This is, uh, yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be a fun year. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. All right, everybody. Go out there, have fun, make connections, find your resources, and uh, stay tuned because there's going to be a lot more to it. And we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>